What's up, everybody? As you know, I'm Cody Reed, and I'm coming at you from Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm back in the hometown. <laughs> uh, yeah, you've been gone for what? Three years now, one year abroad, a couple years somewhere I've, else, right? I've been gone from Flagstaff for three years, and it sure doesn't feel like it's been that long. But uh, in summer 2020, I left to Mammoth uh, for a change of scenery to see. Uh, I was I was looking in Colorado and uh, settled on Mammoth, actually, which is in California. But uh, yeah, I just was looking for a change of scenery. Wanted to find if uh, I could find anywhere better or as good as Flagstaff and of course I didn't um I love it here I think it's great and uh yeah now I'm back but uh in the for the last 12 months from uh, March of 2022 to March of 2023 I was traveling between South Africa and Europe yeah so why did you decide to do that because I, I know we discussed this before we started recording but like it just seems like wow Cody's just like living the dream living in Cape Town, living in Europe, like going to Africa, doing all this stuff. So like, what was the reasoning behind that? Yeah. Uh, the main reason was because I could. Um, I had been thinking for a while about how I could set up races in a series um, where they could buy my flight out there. And then I would just Airbnb or the race would put me up somewhere and I could just uh, live and train and race uh, throughout the year. And so that's what I had set up for 2022. So let's, um, let's jump back then to that race and forgetting what it was called, the hundred that you won ultra sis. What was it? Called? Grand Sasso. Grand, I wasn't even close. <laughs> let's talk about that because this is something I've thought about for a long time. And I know there were issues with, um, with some other race organizations and like these kind of like pseudo, not even race organizations, but just like trail running organizations that were like, oh, we're going to pay people for this and pay people for that. And then they either don't pay or they pay very, very slowly. So let's talk about that personal experience with you. Like what happened? Like you, you ran the race and you were promised 6,000 euros and then like kind of what happened with that? Yeah, I ran the race. Um, they were advertising. 6,000 euros for the win. We did. On top of that, there was like, they had two where they would time you on a, one of the climbs, which was at the beginning of the race, I think. And then one of the, the descents, which was at the end. So you had like the, the king of the mountain, uh, fastest climb and like fastest descent. And I got one of those. So that was like an extra 350 euros and uh so total they they owed me 6350 euros and once i started after the race uh so, so hold on i've won money at races before and how it has always worked was i would uh finish the race and if there was prize money um i would sign some paper uh i think it was like a, a tax form i forget what number it's called sign some tax paper um right away and then either like that day or at the award ceremony or whatever they would uh give me a check um and i think that's how it has happened for me in the past um 
there never was any kind of weight. Um, it was all done right there and over with. Um, or like within a week of the race, right? And so after the race um, in Italy, I didn't... <sighs> I didn't mention anything. I was just like expecting some sort of email. And after I uh, flew back to Cape town, I emailed them like, Hey, um, when can I expect the payment? And they're like, Oh, uh, on the website, it says 90 to 120 days. Uh, you can expect the payment. And I was like, okay, that's, like that's fine uh i just hadn't noticed that before and i go back to look at the website and i looked through the whole website like i combed the thing with a fine tooth brush and i did not see anything about 90 to 120 days um and so i waited a little longer but i i, I think i waited that 90 days before i got back to them like hey what's uh what's up what do we got now uh where are you guys at and, uh, you know, and then that's when the, you know, it'll be, it'll be a couple more days or it'll be a couple more weeks started. Um, and that's, that was the main response that I got from them. Um, just dragging it out. Um, and there was a couple more emails sent back and forth, uh, some communication about like, you know, if you, if you want to like invest the money into this business, into the race, which is called 100, like if you want to invest into the, the race series, um, you know, we can, um, um, you know, a rate of return, whatever it's called. We can give you that 15% on the prize money. Like if you want to invest that, and I said, no, I'm not really interested in that. I would just like the money. Um, thank you, though. And, the, you know, there's a couple more. It'll be uh, soon. It'll be a couple more days. It'll be a couple more weeks. That was always the answer. And um, in the like during this time, I was talking with some of the athletes that I raced against, like uh, Roger. He's down Bill and Morgan, the Australian guy who is living in Italy, um, who got second and third place, respectively. And uh, we were just like, what's going on with this? Like, we were we were just all as confused as each other. But um, eventually, the emails started not getting answered, and uh, they started like I was getting frustrated and saying as much in my emails and uh, they were getting frustrated as well and saying things like, you know, like, you know, uh, it's not really our responsibility. And this was the, this was the last email that they sent me said that it wasn't their responsibility uh, to pay the prize money, um, which, I thought was an interesting take since they advertised that they were going to pay the athletes this money. 
and uh, and it was their responsibility. <laughs> like, if it's not theirs, then whose is it? Um, but I'm happy to say that I have received two payments of two thousand euros each, uh, somewhat randomly, um, in the last month, maybe. Um, month month and a half uh so they owe they still owe me uh 2350 euros and yeah yeah that's insane they would say it's not their responsibility like if you're going to advertise come to this race and win six thousand euros that's your responsibility to pay that like their business yeah. is paying you essentially as a contractor like a free i want to come I want to come make rent. I want to come make some some spending money, some buying food money. Oh, yeah. You know? and that's just like a contract from a race organization. Like if you're going to yeah. say you're going to, it's like UTMB, if they were going to like whatever, going to pay this much money and then it's like, oh, we'll pay you in three months or six months. Like, and then they don't. It's, it's a breach of contract at that point. Yeah. But what are you going to do about it? You know, what power does the athlete have? And I think it's none. Or the only power that the athlete has, um, is to raise their voice and you know hopefully that athlete has a large following or a large enough following so that people can actually see it um and so that's what i did and i posted on instagram now twice about them not paying um or and them just dragging their feet and they did not like that and you know, which is just funny to me as well, because he, the, like he could have just paid me after the race, or you could have paid me in that 90 to 120 days, if that was your rule or whatever. Um, but you haven't. And if, and also if you had, like, I had a great time at the race. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I totally support races, giving, uh, paying prize money to athletes. There needs to be more races that pay prize money like these massive races all over the world that pay pennies pay just absolutely nothing to the athletes um i think is just a scam and uh it's it's not good for the sport i want 100 percent agree with that because it's it's crazy some of these larger events like you do like the the finances on it like like i've worked at running companies before like i know how much money they're yeah. making from these events and even, totally. if you, even if you haven't worked at one you can just do the math in your head you're like okay there's a thousand entrants they're all paying this much they're all using volunteers like half of the stuff is donated anyways so like why are they not able to budget in like it's a simple business like, yeah okay you're gonna have... and there, sure there's more expenses than than that like you've got the permits and you've got the the rentals of tents and technology for the timing and the GPS and all that stuff. But yeah, you get a thousand people paying exorbitant prices these days. I mean, I was thinking about going to run canyons and they were going to make me pay like $450 for that. I just wanted to, to run it and see what I could do. You know, I wasn't feeling particularly prepared for it definitely not prepared enough to pay $450. I mean, what was it a couple of years ago? It was a lot less than that before it was the UTMB race. Wasn't it was it? probably like 150 maybe or I don't know exactly that's, what it was, but it's pretty low. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, 
I, I guess I get it from like, like, okay, supply and demand, like whatever, but like, you're just ripping people off and you're not offering prize money. It's like, really? Like, you're not offering prize money. You're not offering anything else other than the chance to qualify for another one of your races that yeah. you will pay for it. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're getting free entries. You, you gain an entry, but you got to pay for it. Yeah. Like, it's almost is, just like is a this, subscription. Is this a multi-level marketing scheme? Is this what <laughs> ultra running is now? When I first heard that UTMB was taking over the trail running world and buying all these races, uh, you know, when was that? Like 2019, maybe? 2021? It's Nothing really right. happened in 2020. But uh, when I was optimistic about it uh like i thought it was great it would bring like so much more people into the sport and so much more awareness but i was deceived as we all were weren't we um yeah yeah i, I feel the same way i was looking at a race i want to do and i'm like what am i going to do like like take out a loan to run this race. Cause like by the time I pay for the entry fee, which is $1,500, then I got to like pay okay, for people yeah. to well, drive that's, around. That's like one of those, one of those 200, 250 <laughs> yeah. mile things. Yeah. But still those kind of the same thing. It's like the same crap yeah, every aid station. I'm not, I'm not even using the aid station food. I'm buying my own food. I'm just literally just running this route, which is fine. And it's like, whatever, but like yeah. the UTMB Ironman effect I think is real. And it's like speed goat, for example. Spiegel used to be like yeah. like sixty bucks to enter or something. Like Carl wanted to keep it cheap, and now it's like I don't even know what it is. Like they keep sending me emails, or they did. Is it a lot? It's a lot. It's, it's like lot. well over a hundred now. Uh, and it is, it's just kind of frustrating, in my my opinion, because it's like, well, we want more people to come run these events, but now we're making it an elitist sport where like not anybody can just go run. It's like you have to have some sort of income to do this. It, it pushes people away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, disposable income. Yeah, that's um, interesting. You said elitist because I went to a talk when I was in Cape Town about how to bring more people of color into the sport, and people might think that you know it's it's Africa, like there's a lot of black people there, but in Cape Town, trail running is is a I would say majority a white person sport um you know there's tuesday trails uh, there there's, there's all of these group runs and all of these races um but the majority of people that you see at them are white even though uh the last time i checked i think only 11 percent of the population there is white um but they they do have a higher income and they can afford these things uh like the expensive trail shoes and the packs and the bottles and the gels. Um, that's another thing that has uh, suffered the consequences of inflation is the gel. Yeah. Like just long runs now it's like, well, if you're going to like buy gels or something like your long run adds up every week as far as costs, yeah. it's kind of insane. Yeah. Like there are like good products out there now, but it's like, you can pay five bucks for a gel. Like, I can't afford that for a long run. Like if I'm going to have a bunch of gels for a 20 mile run, like adds up really fast. Yeah. yeah. That's why you should eat spring energy speed nut because for the amount of calories you get, it is cost effective, more cost effective than other options. That's actually true. Cause what's it have 250 calories and 
it's easy on your. <laughs> Here's Cody Hawk in his gel right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it is true though. But like, it, like I was in Prescott and I ran with Charlie Ware. Um, it's a couple months ago now. I was there for a shoot. We were doing a shoot together, and uh, let's go run. I went to the the running store there, a hiking store, and I was like, oh my gosh, like these are so expensive just to go for like a medium length run and it's just kind of crazy but it does price people out which is is kind of frustrating because it's like we want to see more people involved in trail running and people will like at outdoor retailer for example sit there and talk about equity and equality and all this stuff but then it's like well you got to buy these 400 pair of shoes now and these socks that are 30 dollars, and these expensive handhelds and these packs and everything's just gone up in price so much i know a lot of it is inflation but also just costs have gotten higher we're not gonna go there yeah, we'll keep that uh, political discussion out of the way, but uh, <laughs> talk about that another time between us. <laughs> but yeah, this is kind of crazy, though, because it's like I remember when I first started running like a pair of like S-Lab, like Sense, whatever, like those were like the most expensive shoe on the market at like 160 or something. And now that's yeah. like a base level for like a moderate price pair of shoe, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what's really crazy for me personally uh i left in march 2021 and i don't know how much you follow uh the economy or the federal reserve or politics but that was right around the time when inflation started uh the reported inflation started you know uh taking steps upward um and i was i was gone i was in south africa and europe and yeah like inflation in these places was also happening uh different levels but i was i was gone for that whole time when it uh when it was increasing every month and then it peaked and then it started decreasing again and i was just thinking to myself when i was abroad like oh my god what is it going to be like when i get back uh you know groceries i i had before i left i had already started noticing um that you know a cart full of groceries or basketball groceries was already like oh that's that's a little bit more than last time okay um but now you know it's it's like a real big slap in the face like whoa okay uh, maybe maybe we should put something back um, because this is ridiculous. Yeah, it's like you kind of just go back down to necessities to make things work instead of buying like, oh, this extra thing or that extra thing. It's like, I'm only going to buy the essentials because like, and you don't really know what's going to happen either, like in the next month or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And rent as well. Like uh, rent in Flagstaff, uh, now that I'm looking for my own place here, it's uh, it's difficult, you know. And if you want to rent anything from a rental agency, um, you know, not not a, a Facebook or a Craigslist special, but if you want to rent anything from a rental agency, you got to show them its full background check and its its bank statements and its income statements and it's uh it's it's three to four times your monthly uh rent you know your income has to be like now what am, what is it your 
your income, your income has, to has to be three to four times three to four times greater than your monthly rent. There we go. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the average rent for a place in Flagstaff for a studio or a one bedroom is two thousand dollars a month. There are some options to rent a studio. I've seen them. I've seen the two thousand dollars a month ones. Uh, three to four times that. That is seventy five thousand dollars a year. Yeah, it, that's a lot of money. It's just afford a studio. Yeah, it's pretty. Flight staff isn't the only place like that. It's uh, the ubiquitous. Yeah, it's kind of insane. And like coming at it from like an athlete perspective or like a freelancer or something, it's always really hard to to prove your income because it's variable. Like my income that varies as well, every yeah. month. And then if you have an athlete contract, it might be like, I get paid every three months maybe, or maybe once a year or whatever. And it's like, these people don't understand that. And like, I've gone to like, I'm going to rent this place. And they're like, well, what's your monthly income? I'm like, well, this month it was that month or that much. And then this month it's going to be maybe like zero because I'm doing pre-production the entire month. And they're like, yep. oh, well, that's that's inst that's not stable. So we're not going to rent to you. I'm like, so let's sit there and have this discussion with them. Like, well, this is my yearly income, but they just don't are like, no. Yeah. And good luck. Good luck trying to explain to a person above a certain age that you're a professional runner and you get paid, you know, quarterly or whatever. You know, I don't it's not like you have a uh, traditional income statement for them to look at. They wouldn't even know what they're looking at. Yeah, exactly. Because you don't have like a two week paycheck every or whatever or once a week like some people get now. Yeah. Yeah. So things have definitely changed though. So like speaking of contracts though, let's talk about that a little bit because it seems like this is kind of like, I don't know what inside baseball, if you want to call it that, like a lot of people don't understand how athlete contracts work, but it it seems like they've changed a lot over the past, like say five years or so where like traditionally you'd kind of be like, Hey, I'm going to sign with Nike or something and you get paid whatever, like X amount of dollars per year. But now it seems like it's changed quite a bit with social media and bonuses and just different ways of making like an income like starting your own company and your own brand and using that as your quote-unquote sponsor so like what are your thoughts about like that and how that's kind of changed over the years yeah um i feel like because i had two relatively long-term contracts with my main sponsor which was under armor i had two three-year long contracts um and there was not really much negotiation or much change in between those two contracts uh as far as the terms go that i was totally left in the dark on like what you just mentioned that new style of contract looks like um maybe that's why i've had trouble figuring out how to get sponsored now after uh now that i'm not with under armor anymore but um, yeah, like there's not very many people that can survive solo off of running. Um, I think it would be a lot easier if races had prize money. Uh, they're certainly charging enough, I think, to offer prize money. Um, but... But uh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah. But the, the side hustles, or whatever you want to call them, um, are a necessity for 
any athlete that's like wanting to fully commit to running, um, unless you're like a handful of people that that get paid a bunch uh, just for running through multiple sponsors, usually. Um, like there's there's a couple of people making uh, well over six figures uh, all together from all of their sponsors. Um, and it's not just, you know, they're not just, uh, uh, the running brands basically, you know what I mean? Um, but to go all in, in the sport, uh, you know, if, if you want to do it full time and not have another outside job, like you're going to need some other of income and like people like Dylan I think have done a great job he's set up his own company he's doing podcasts and he's doing um commentary during races as well uh which I think the sport needs as well like for so long it was I think it was just exclusively I run far right mm-hmm a couple yeah. of the people tried, but they weren't very good. And I run far was always the standard. Because they were there. Yeah. Uh, and that's all it took. But um, there's definitely space for that. And I, I mean, I don't know how it would be done because there's, a, there's like not that much money in it as well, I think. Um, at least not yet. Uh, they're if these uh, companies and races would just invest in something like that, it could make it worthwhile uh, for both parties. I think, you know, for the, for the advertisement for the race and for the, the quality coverage that can be offered, um, which I think is lacking at most races. Um. Yeah, I mean, Dylan is just one example. Um, a lot of athletes have gone the coaching route, uh, myself being one of them. I'm not doing that anymore. Um, I was not, a, after a while, I wasn't a fan of doing the online stuff. Uh, if it were in person, that would be like a totally different story. That would get me way more excited on the coaching. Um, but you know, you're, uh, you're limited to who's around, um, where you physically are. And it's like the online coaching, I think is, is the, the only way to, to make that work. You know, you're not going to have like a large group of paying runners living where you live, um, that you can work with. Um, like what other, what other examples of people, what, what are other people doing? I don't really follow the sport that much, you know, like I like running, but following running is, is not what I do in my spare time. <laughs> so what are other people doing? I guess you could look at like Jamil, um, from Aravipa. That's just like a local example. Oh, cause, yeah. like, Cause like Cocodona was just last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. And yeah. it's like, yeah, they get this massive race and they they like I don't know, they market it a ton, but they also do live streaming the entire time. And it's wild to see how interested people are in this 250 mile race. Like even in like 
two or three o'clock in the morning, people are tuned in watching it. And I'm just like, holy cow. But like Jamil's been really good at like pushing these live streams of events. And it's also become like a side job. Like I don't know anything about like the business side of it from from his end. But he's also gone to other events to do live streaming as well. Like he was out at Bandera, for example. Um, I was out there and I shot a little film and he was out there as well live streaming. And I think they paid him to do it. I'm not really sure. But it's just another way to like like promote his business, but also like maybe make some side income as well. And I think like, yeah, for sure. I, I think now, except for like the few examples that you kind of alluded to earlier, like to make it in the sport, you have to diversify your income and become an entrepreneur and not just, I only run. It's like, you have to be like, okay, I'm going to run and I'm going to have a business and I'm going to kind of be an influencer and I'm going to do this and I'm going to oh, do that. Oh, you got to influence, baby. <laughs> That's what you're getting paid for. That's all you're getting paid for is influencing. Oh, I and hate if that. you're on the Eterics team, if you're on the Adidas Terex team, you're getting paid to dance too. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, like races, you know, if they want to, uh, if they want to grow, then they need to offer uh some serious uh live stream coverage um like being be, being behind the scenes at ultra trail cape town last year uh was fascinating uh and seeing all the stuff that they do and i think that uh, you know they're on the same level of broadcast quality or I mean, quality is uh, is debatable, but like, I think the quality of the broadcast is better than UTMB, um, which is probably like the the gold standard in the sport right now. Uh, at least that's what everyone is most familiar with, and I think that the way that they do their broadcast for the race uh for all of the races that are going on simultaneously and like throughout that week are uh is is uh like a great example for other races to to see and to uh, replicate and it's a production it's a big production <laughs> Yeah, I remember like years ago, we tried to do like a semi live stream at Western States. And and it's hard because like half of that course, you don't have any good service or anything. And like, yeah. we, were on a, we were on a budget. So like what we did is like we would film like little sections and have a runner run back and they would edit real quick and then hand it off to the social media manager. It was a thing with with Ultra when they sponsored the event and then they would upload that right away. So it was like semi live stream. Yeah, but then now uh, like, that's seeing, legit. Dude, it, it was it was i don't know it was exhausting but it was also really I'm fun sure. to like okay how can we get this done because it was kind of like revolutionary at the time and then now yeah. seeing like what like utct is doing and utmb is yeah, doing like and... ultra trail cape town is doing the same thing with the runners following or with the camera people who are athletes following the racers uh with you know basically gopros that are live streaming mm -hmm. uh with like some live streaming stuff in their backpack that they have on and a battery those things weigh like 20 pounds, but, uh, yeah, like same thing you were doing, except that isn't edited anymore and put out is just streamed live. And like the people in the production tent, uh, or room, wherever they are, like they can, they can go to those cameras whenever they want. Like they're just, they're just going 
They can go to those. They can go to like me with the microphone at an aid station, or they can go to uh, somebody else doing commentary at another aid station, like following the women. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And like the live streaming stuff, I think is fun. Like, like being like in Chamonix, for example, you can't obviously follow, like be out there at every aid station. This is logistically not possible, but like, like the live feed is pretty insane. But also Yeah. like, I've been really stoked recently on the golden trail series stuff. Like those like 30 minute films they put out, like, I don't know the exact schedule, but like they're super well done. And they're like, for me, they're really entertaining. I love watching them, but then Also just think about the, like the, like you're saying the camera guys like you're running race pace with a camera on very technical trail with elite athletes and like trying not to like eat crap the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, race pace for like a hundred K or a hundred miler. So yeah. Yeah, Still different a heavy than pack. like a 25k or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you're trying to chase and if you're trying to film Jim, like he's gonna put the hammer on you just because you're trying to to chase him and, and film him. <laughs> Dude, you it's... you had a little experience with that, didn't you? Oh, I know how that goes. Happens all the time. It's like, oh, you, you see him like shuffle around the corner, then it's like, oh, there's a camera. It's time to cook it. And you're just like, oh crap. Like <laughs> I'm not even warmed up at this point. Come on, give me a break. Yeah. That's pretty that's funny. fun yeah but i think like too like it states specifically like what dylan and billy are doing is really fun because like like yeah obviously there's like logistical challenges there at western states but like they've been doing a really good job and i think we're going to see a lot of improvements in the future which will be good for the sport and hopefully that'll bring in like you're saying like maybe outside sponsors then we have more money which has pros and cons to it but ideally we're paying the athletes because like you're putting your body on the line to do this and you're basically making a paycheck for somebody else like a race director like you should definitely get a cut of that just like in boxing or mma or something like you're getting beat up and you should get a cut of it as well so what i've noticed and it took me probably an embarrassing time to notice it but once the non-running brands start sponsoring you Uh, or your event or just to start sponsoring your sport, then that's when the money starts coming in when, and that you could say that for any sport, not just running, like when the, the non athletic sponsors start coming in, then that is when things really start rolling. And Europe's been there for a while. And maybe like I probably like the rest of the world's been there for a while. Uh, endurance sports just aren't, aren't treated the same way they're not appreciated the same it's not part of the as big a part of the culture in america as it is elsewhere um and that that goes for like all endurance sports you know whether it's running or cycling or even like you know long distance auto racing um once those sponsors uh once those companies start coming in that are not related to the sport like like banks or insurance companies or tech company you know whatever it is um that's when things really start rolling um and and the money starts getting significantly larger yeah you look at like road marathons for example like whatever like the what is it the top six world marathons like like london and chicago and stuff yeah like they're all by they're all banks right yeah it's not like ultras out there like funding millions of dollars for this event like these massive corporations that just have huge marketing budgets so yeah, yeah you make a really solid point there yeah and the marathons in the u.s 
uh, I mean, Boston Marathons, John Hancock or whatever insurance company. Um, but yeah, like it just, uh, it has not gotten to ultra running yet. Maybe it will now that UTMB is, is charging everyone all this money to, to run their races and they're buying up all of these events. Um, it'll get attention from more sponsors from bigger sponsors, but yeah, it's a process. Yeah. Speaking of like UTMB, like, cause they're owned by Ironman, right? Like they're all like the same. Company, right. Essentially. Right. Does Ironman, like as far as like triathlons go, do they have like outside of the sport sponsors, like say Coke or Pepsi or whatever, or a bank or insurance <sighs> company? I, I, know, I, I know, know you just said 10 minutes ago, you don't really follow like running and stuff, but I was just curious if you knew, cause I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, those guys are all branded up on their suits, though, aren't they? And like stickers on the bikes and and everything. They've uh, like the some of the the top try the top Ironman athletes pull in quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. I think um, I don't know like who or what their sponsors are, um, but I would imagine that they have some that are outside of the triathlon or outside of the of the athletics community like like my friend mickey he's sponsored by a uh by a a translation company like a company that does the translations uh i don't know if if they have like an app or if it's a website or courses or kind of thing but um he's sponsored by them and that is his main sponsor you know totally unrelated to to athletics yeah that's really interesting like i i, I guess like the only example i can think of here in the states would be um what's his freaking name I'm spacing his name right now mike wardian um where he had like yeah. t-mobile i don't know if he still has all these sponsors but he did for a while yeah i should talk to him i just switched to t-mobile and the coverage in flagstaff is terrible yeah not ideal as far as i understand <laughs> gotta go with verizon dude yeah, well, they were giving away new iPhones, and I needed one because mine was broken. Can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about like social media in general. Like, I think I think most people kind of have a love hate relationship with it, where we all realize that it's addictive and not exactly healthy, especially for your brain. But also, yeah. every sponsor is asking for that. So, like, personally, like. I know we just talked about it, but like influencer culture really makes me cringe a lot because it's really fake. And I think it devalues athletes personally, where like you can have an athlete that's crushing all these events with maybe 10,000 followers and you'll have some rando person who runs maybe 10 miles a week, but is either a super skanky girl or just a guy with some personality that's maybe hot or something or super ripped. And they're going to get contracts. And it's kind of insane. Like they'll go to a trailhead, maybe pose for a couple photos and make more money than an actual athlete does an entire year. And even from like a non, like non elite athlete perspective, it really bothers me because it, it's just, it just devalues like what professional athletes are doing in the time and training that they put into, to the sports that they care about. Yeah. Well, I've always seen it as two different, two different methods of making a living, you know, like for me personally, I wanted to, or I, I, uh, I don't want to be an influencer. I want to, you know, and being an influencer, like it's not just the amount of followers you have. It's, 
I guess the content of your, your posts, uh, you can be an elite athlete and an influencer and probably every brand would love you for that. But, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know who does that, but like what I want to do and what I've always wanted to do is, you know, gain a, a following and popularity and credibility through my racing uh, and my performance and let my performance do the speaking for me and not have to do it myself, like on social media. Um, and that is one way to do it, obviously. And another way to do it is to get a huge following and that gets you invites places where, you know, like to races, uh, because then you'll post about it and you'll get all of those views from all those followers. Uh, you know, if they're real, if they're not bought, like, I wonder what the percentage of, of bought followers are, or bought, but purchased followers are for some of the, the higher uh, follower count runners or influencers in the space. Um, I bet it's pretty high. Um, but yeah, it, I, I always separated the two personally. Um, both are, um, both are viable options, I think. Um, yeah, you just have to, decide which way you want to go yeah and i guess i get it from like a marketing perspective for a brand because like, <clears throat> if somebody has like a hundred thousand followers it's like yeah they're gonna post about your product that's gonna reach maybe ninety thousand more people than so and so yeah athlete. but yeah we want eyes on races and products and you know they're willing to give out stuff to those people for that um but the elite athletes with maybe not so many followers uh, are also uh, are should also um, receive those things because they're going to be the ones uh, you know they're going to be the big names really um, for the people that follow the performance side of things. Yeah, and maybe I'm being a little hypocritical too because it's like I don't know I, I see the value of do of of that and for sure and like. I want more money in this sport, but I also don't want the money to change the sport because I want to see these guys and girls that are like running massive weeks and putting all this time and effort in to make totally. a living. But at the same totally. time, I'm like, oh, it's because cringe. we're runners. <laughs> because we're runners and we like the sport and we uh, are competitive. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And that makes it fun. Like it's fun to be competitive and run against your exactly. friends and people you don't know. And it's a good time. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah so um like that. what's up next for you then um we'll kind of start wrapping this up in a bit but what do you got coming up coming up i uh feel like i'm still getting settled in flagstaff uh with work and finding a place to live uh just myself and building fitness just training, getting fast, getting hard, uh, looking for what's next. Um, 
there's a lot of races in the U.S., obviously, but it's been difficult uh, trying to trying to think of one to train for that sponsors. Uh, it's been difficult trying to pick one or to find one that you don't have to qualify for in a previous race and that sponsors care about. Um, because that's, that's what I'm after still like a, a main, uh, shoe sponsor, clothing sponsor. Um, I'm with spring right now, uh, but that's it. And so it would be nice to go do a, a big hundred K or hundred miles somewhere. Um, but a lot of them are like, you know, it has to be competitive. It has to be uh, a big race, but a lot of those races you just have to qualify for in another race. Yeah. It kind of feels like growing pains a bit in the sport where it's becoming more popular. So more and more people are trying, but then it's like, well, let's have a lottery or whatever to get into this race. And if we're an elite or someone at an elite level, it's hard to like, okay, I want to run this race. And maybe you just can't, maybe it's a permitting issue sometimes. And like Western States, yeah. a permitting issue. But, yeah. yeah yeah but that's why it's so fun racing abroad you know you could go you could go to a small race and you know a small race in europe is like larger than the biggest race in america you know as far as number of people there and uh just feeling i don't know yeah that's kind of interesting. Like, I know you mentioned it previously, but just like the differences between like, I guess like the respect you get for like endurance sports in Europe versus in the States where here it's like football, like that's the main thing or even baseball to a certain extent or basketball. And it's like, for whatever reason, like our culture is more interested in those sports versus like long distance cycling or running or something. But yeah, I don't, yeah, it's kind of interesting. But um, anyways, we'll um, we'll wrap this up here then, dude. Been chatting for an hour right. and a half, so it's been a minute. An hour and a half already. Right. Yeah, something like that. Maybe hour twenty. I don't know exactly what time we started, but <laughs> um, yeah, it was cool. Um, so what's your social media and stuff? Where can people find you? I know I just trashed all over like social media and stuff, but um, how can people follow you? <laughs> Yo, what's up? Follow me on Instagram at Cody Reed. Um, that's Cody Reed with four E's. <laughs> on instagram and that's all i've got that's how i always read your instagram, instagram name when i see it by the way i say cody it's what? i always read it that way when i see it yeah <laughs> when you pop up in my feed <laughs> well that's how i say it now because that's all anyone ever says to me oh cody reed <laughs> why are there four e's like because i'm awesome that's why <laughs> yeah like well it's with two but that was taken and three just looks like a mistake, so I put four. I like it. You thought that one through. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> All right, man. We'll wrap it up, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Peace.